Language Talk is a series of podcasts of interest to Kentucky World Language Association members seeking information about important events, initiatives, and professional development opportunities. Each month, we will be talking with people in the know about world languages from across the state. Topics range from collaboration to the program review, from ACTFL news to interviews with master teachers. Language Talk is produced monthly by the Kentucky World Language Association Board and the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Kentucky. Welcome to Language Talk KWLA. This is your host, Laura Roche Youngworth, and today's topic is Student Growth Goal Rubrics. Every Kentucky public school educator experienced a change last school year. That change came in the form of a new evaluation system called Professional Growth and Effectiveness System, or PGS. At the heart of PGS are four domains and 22 components that describe research-based, effective teaching practices, and what those look like in the classroom. Now, the structure of PGS consists of administrative observations with perhaps a peer observation, self-evaluation, student voice surveys, professional growth plan, and finally, a student growth goal in which an educator shows his or her students have made marked improvement on a particular enduring or fundamental skill related to the content being taught. It's this requirement that proved particularly challenging for Kentucky's world language educators. We all understand that growth in our students' language proficiency is the goal, yet this growth neither happens evenly within the language proficiency levels, nor does the growth always show movement on a proficiency rubric from one level to another. So think, how quickly students move from novice low to novice mid, but how long they might stay in intermediate mid. This need to show and track growth with our students inspired Kentucky World Language educators to think differently and create something that had not been regularly used before. With me today are a group of educators from Fayette County Public Schools who work together to create a set of student growth grow rubrics that are ready to be shared with other districts. I'd like to welcome Alicia Vinson, Director of Language Learning at the DC International School and former World Language Coordinator for Fayette County Public Schools, Jillian Likens, German teacher at Beaumont Middle School, and Vin McMain, Spanish teacher at Carter G. Woodson Academy. Thank you each for being here today and taking time to talk with us about student growth, growth goal rubrics. Hello, Laura. <laughs> Thank you for inviting us. Glad to be here. Great to be here, Laura. Thank you. Um, Alicia, let's get started. Step back about a year and share with us how did Fayette County Public Schools go about creating the Student Growth Goal rubrics? What perfect storm, so to say, was there that made this happen? Well, actually, um, all the content areas were asked to develop rubrics. And we were given the, um, the task to develop the rubric following the LDC rubrics, which is the Literacy Design Collaborative. So we didn't have a lot of leeway or, or figuring out what kind of rubric or what the rubric would look like. We have to follow that template. So I was given the template and begin the thinking process and share at our first um, department chairs meeting or instructional leaders meeting that we needed to get our heads together and begin to think of what will the language rubrics or world language rubrics will look like. We knew that KDE provided the enduring skills for world languages. And of course, I'm sure everyone is familiar that there are the three modes of communication plus the cultural um, components of the standard as well. 
So we decided to begin with, uh, of course, with uh, the three modes in one. And also, at that point, we decided to bring together a small group, a very small group, uh, folks that are really familiar with proficiency-based uh, teaching and learning to begin thinking about what they would look like. So um, the rubrics need to combine, um, will help teachers to combine combine multiple sources of data to determine a baseline score for goal setting, determine if the students met the goal at the end of the course, and also um, formatively assess, provide feedback, and adjust instruction along the way. So that was what we thought about at the moment. Um, I, was, I have been working with immersion programs for quite a while, and we adopted a new assessment the, the actual Apple uh, measure, and I noticed that the way they report the scoring is broken down into very small increments. And I thought maybe that would be the way we need to, to go with that rubric as well. Because how are you gonna, Laura said before, you know, how are we gonna show growth within the novice levels for the whole year? Or how much progress if you, are in, you have intermediate students how much growth are they going to have in a year? We know it takes a long time. We can move swiftly between the novice low and then, you know, to get to the novice mid, but as the, the proficiency uh, levels grow in depth, and, uh, it's more difficult to move up. So go back to, you had this charge, this needs to be done. What timeline was followed throughout the year? I'd, I'd like to paint a picture of, of oh, how much work went this into this. This is a scary part. We were told that we needed ready by October. So <laughs> we have to really begin a uh, timeline for meetings, and teachers cannot be really out of school that long. So with the uh, court, what I call the court team, with Jillian, Ben, and Laura, I met during a school day uh, to begin the process. And after that, I had a lot of help from many teachers who volunteered to come in the evenings and work mm -hmm. and continue to develop the rubrics. You know, we, we took one enduring skill at a time. Once we completed one, move on to the other. That was kind of the process. And then at the end of the school year, was there anything else done to it? Yes. Uh, I th well, you know, we completed, we met the timeline. But then, of course, we begin to think and, and, and look at the rubrics and say, well, we need to really tweak them. We need to look and see if they were useful. So we got together with the same core team in June, um, after school was out, to look at samples of student work and really look at the rubrics with critical eyes. Okay. So. And so the end result is what we have now. So this was basically a year-long process. Correct. Okay. Um, so let's get into, you kind of mentioned a little bit of this, but when the idea of the rubric was there, you were given some parameters by Fayette County, but what else went into the structure of the rubric? So what were you thinking needed to be on that rubric? What was it going to look like? Um, what did you all have to determine first? Well, remember our discussions on that very first day, which I think I describe it as magical. And I'm getting excited <laughs> thinking about it all over again because it was like, it was full of aha moments, you know. We, um, 
all our minds were working, it's almost like you could see that the energy in that, uh, uh, that room was amazing. And we had to decide the criteria. What are we going to, what would the, uh, we, we had the template, but we needed criteria. So we talk about the functions, you know, what really, what can the students do with language? We talk about the context, the content, the vocabulary, all in one category. So, and what are the kids really talking about? Or, you know, what am I talking about? We look at text type and um, exactly what does the language exactly looks like. And then language control, it's the language comprehensible, how accurate it is. So those, you know, we decide on the categories and then we begin the uh, piecemeal job of describing what it will look like um, at each level. And I, I don't know if this is a good time to talk about what an analytical rubric looks like. Sure. Um, which resembles a grid uh, with a criteria for a student product listed on the left corner, leftmost co uh, column, and with levels of performance listed across the top row and they're often numbers you know with descriptive tags and the cells within the center contain the descriptions of what the specific criteria look like for each performance level so when scoring with an analytical rubric each of the criteria is scored individually okay. I don't know it's almost like you have to see it mm -hmm. you know um, in on the very top row, we have like, it says not yet, and there's a number one. And then before you move to approaches expectation, there's a 1.5, so a student can be in between the two. And then we move to meet expectation, and of course the number four, which exceeds expect expectations. So on that format, let's go back to that for a second. Um, ben and Jillian, if you all want to help paint this picture here. This is um, hard without a picture. It's really yeah. hard. Uh -huh. So our listeners don't have it in front of them. They probably haven't seen it yet. Can you paint uh, the overall picture, the modes, how it's broken down, mm -hmm. anything like that? Definitely. We um, created actually three separate rubrics, one for each mode of communication. So we had a separate one for presentational, for interpersonal, and for interpretive. So meeting each one of those separately. And then, as Alicia was talking about, um, we had the four basically categories. We, had, we started with the number three for each one, and that's meets expectations. So for a novice low in presentational speaking or writing, um, what would that student have to be able to accomplish to have a novice low or a novice mid or a novice high or such on. And then from there, we went and worked backwards a little bit. So into the two category of that for each of the criteria, the functions, the context, content, vocabulary, the text type, the language control, we decided what is that student doing to almost reach the expectations for each sub-level, novice low, novice mid, novice high. Working back a little bit from that into the one category, um, where are they with that? So they're not yet for one, approaching for two, meets expectations for three, and then with the exceeds, what are they doing that moves them almost to the next subcategory? So from novice mid, what are they doing to almost reach novice high? And we broke it down into that manner. Right, so I like the way that Jillian mentioned there. We're, we have a discussion, really, between three different points. Um, so we took the big points, like Jillian mentioned, like Alicia mentioned. And I remember when Lara came in, 
she had this idea and she put down some big pieces of paper and she said, <laughs> okay, this is going to be, we're going to make this our, our uh, interpretive mode, we're going to make this our presentational mode, we're going to make this our interpersonal mode. And with those big points, then we started to, to narrow it down. And then we had to get that combination of these three uh, concepts and that was, as has been mentioned from the analytical template that we had, um, not yet approaches expectation, meets expectations, exceeds expectations. And as Jillian said, using that three uh, meets expectations as our benchmark and working off of those, we had to take that, that point and meet it with our four criteria. So that criteria functions, context, content, vocabulary, text type, and language control. And I think using this template, it's very clear um, when those three separate things are going on, where, um, where they intersect. As a rubric. Right. One thing I also like about it using our not yet approaches, meets, and exceeds for each sublevel is that it flows into the next sublevel very well. So if they're reaching um, the four, the exceeds for novice high, for example, that's going to then reach into the one for intermediate low. So it's not just a static document, um, it moves and flows as the student progresses between each sublevel and each major level in the proficiency scale. I think w something that we had to be very careful, and it took several edits, um, other people came in to edit, and we're so thankful for that, is that the descriptive language clearly differentiates between performance levels. So we have to be very careful that we could say what happens when it's a two versus it's a, a three. Okay. You know, and we'll so get into that in a few minutes. We'll go through examples of, of what you all are explaining on that because that's very critical. But um, let me clarify one thing. If, if someone saw this document, how many different rubrics are there? Three. Okay, one for each mode. Mm -hmm. Correct. And then break that down further. Is there a different rubric for each proficiency level? Right, so what we're doing is we're taking uh, novice low. So there's a novice low interpersonal rubric. Yes. Right, and there's a novice, a novice mid. mid interpersonal oh, okay. rubric, a novice high, et cetera. So we're talking about a massive document. Right, and how high up does it go? To what proficiency level? Was it Intermediate high. Mm -hmm. You know, we had to consider the immersion students mm -hmm. whose proficiency level would be high. Uh, so we did intermediate um, high, and we also did advanced low. So it does and go up to advanced low. Advanced mid is advanced the last mid. one. Yeah, advanced okay. mid. Because we felt like the high school immersion students need, you know, those rubrics as well. So a teacher looking at this is really going to need to know what proficiency level they feel like their kids are at and target that part of the rubric, correct? Right. And that's why you start with your baseline and the, the TPGS system with the student growth goal component asks us for, to do that. So the start, for example, when our first year of doing that last year, we started and we established a baseline for our students um, with multiple modes of assessment and then from there we knew which area to look at on the rubric. Do we need to start with the area for novice mid? Do we need to start with the area for novice high and right. such and then you just grow from there. We did take into consideration that some people reading this rubric, some teachers might not be as familiar with proficiency as others. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, we'll talk about this later, but we tried to make it that language was measurable, yet clear enough for those that weren't familiar with proficiency language to understand, and yet flexible enough. 
Right, right. Yeah, good point. So, Alicia, you mentioned Apple really influenced um, the way Apple breaks down. The um, scoring. Yes. Correct. So that really influenced the group. What other uh, things, I mean, the group didn't create the wheel. No, well, we had the template. That was huge. But what you other know? things but, uh, out there influenced the, uh, well, we used what it looks like? Well, we used the performance guidelines. That was a from tool. That, from, from ACFL? From ACFL, okay. the ACFL performance uh, guidelines. We look at proficiency descriptions. Uh, you might recall that we had the scoring guide from the Apple that describes each level, you know, and, and that's what's wonderful about Apple, the ACFL assessment, because it, show, it breaks down the novice, like a one is a novice low, but then within, within the novice mid, you have a two and a three. So... Yeah. Also, was OPI a part of this, or? Of course, okay. you know I think that it really helps to have the training on our proficiency interviews, and being familiar. I think that was something that you could not, we could not have done it without having enough proficiency training to right. know and and actually visualize. For me, imagine what a you know a novice student can do, or a novice low, or a novice mid with the language in. If you recall, we had some hearty discussions. Uh, everyone was quite opinionated, uh, and I'm not saying in a negative way. It was very, like I said, I, I continue to say that it was magical what happened there. But um, yeah, we we you know we all push and pull to figure out exactly what the descriptors will be for for each um, criteria. I know for me on it, um, the OPI training, and I think um, Jillian and Ben would agree to this, really influenced how I was envisioning this and my understanding of, of what it would look like. So, you know, I kind of give kudos to that um, immensely. But you might have already mentioned this, but I think there's probably more to say about it. You had four different people coming together, all with different backgrounds, different amounts of experience, and so on. And what challenges did the group have initially? Were there any? There were, there were, the four of us was the team, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Were there any? Well, you mean in a personal... i tell you one challenge that we... As we began to elaborate this rubric, um, we worked quite a bit, and then all of a sudden it dawned us on us that it should be a stair-step rubric. And that is the four should be the one of the next... Oh, that's section. right. Yeah, that's so, right. Even though we were we were visualizing kind of an amorphous or a, a linear uh, progression, then we realized that within this analytical template that we had been given, we had to change it. Change so, it so what do you mean? The four is the one. Well, because um, we're we're following this uh, LDC rubric, um, then the exceeds expectations. Okay, so is, a four score is nominated as a four that becomes not yet for the next level. So for instance, oh. let's say that we have a novice low, um, novice low four, which is exceeds expectations. That's really a novice mid one on this LDC-like rubric. So a teacher using this rubric, and let's say they're using the novice low with their class for their PGS student growth goal, they could give their kids a four, and the one could what? It, it could become a five, or would the two have to be the five on the next one? Um, well, the way I worked with that, I um, looked at the student. So if the student, where the student started, so the benchmark for that 
um, the baseline, sorry, for that. So if a student started at a novice low one or two and then moved their way up a f and had the same performance, I would give that person a novice low four. Mm -hmm. But if a student started higher, say a student started at a novice low three and they moved beyond that, then I would move up into the novice mid with that. Right, so what okay. I did is I extrapolated from the rubric, I would take, um, so novice low for, for example, for text type on presentational writing, and also the grid for the novice mid for text type presentational writing, and I kind of made a continuum of a rubric for that, for that specific skill for that class and watch them grow along that continuum. And that was critical for student growth goal and why this rubric's unique is administrators wanted to see a long continuum of a rubric and that just didn't exist. It kind of stopped. No, exactly. I, I guarantee you that I was so worried about what it, all the, the job that we had in front of us that I looked at the national level. I asked colleagues from different states to do you have anything similar? And guess what? We didn't have anything to look at or we had to create it from the start. And my concern was that KDE put some sample rubrics up there and I mean perf perhaps they didn't know, but the, it was just the continuum of the standard that shows from the progression from novice low all the way to advance. And my fear was that administrators would look at that and say, well the kids have to move from the novice low to the, at least the intermediate by next year. And so I think that rubrics help us, help administrators first of all understand that we move slowly in a school year, depending on what proficiency level the students are. But in the intermediate, they might be intermediate mid for quite a while. Yeah, for a couple years, they right. might stay at that right. same proficiency level. And I will say, um, when I sat down with my conferences with my administrator as part of the TPGS um, process, uh, the administrator was very impressed with the rubrics that were created. Um, she was concerned oh. in other content areas that once they reached a four, the students met a ceiling and didn't show growth beyond that. And she was very, um, as I said, very supportive of our rubrics in that they don't hit a ceiling, they just move on to the next proficiency sublevel and continue growing. That's interesting. You well, feedback from administration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the beautiful things about world language is if you're teaching level one, two, three, four, mm -hmm. proficiency level just flows. If you're a math teacher, there might not be flow, mm -hmm. so their rubric ended at a four. They didn't have a five or a six, mm -hmm. and that's what all other content areas ran into where world language was like almost the piano keys. It just kept going. Yeah. That's a great analogy. So yes. you could almost renumber the rubric one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way up to know I'd have to do the math and I'm not a math teacher but you know into the 20s or something mm -hmm. so that's kind of neat now I do want to go back to something because the rubric is really a handful it is a large document has been said so let's paint the picture real clearly what it looks like so on the left side criteria what are the things listed there so we have on the left side these criteria functions context content and vocabulary, that's the second criteria. Okay. The third criteria is text type, and the fourth criteria is language control. And these are gleaned, of course, from the performance guidelines mm -hmm. as well as the Apple. So if I'm looking at novice low, presentational speaking and writing, those criteria go down the left side. Yes. Now across the top, what is there? 
So that's from the LDC uh, template, and we have... Which is what? Because not everybody's real familiar with that, so... Is the literacy collaborative design. Fire okay. County has been involved with uh, that particular project for several years, and um, all the content areas adopted the same rubric. Okay, and so from that, Ben, what, what goes across that top then? So we have not yet, and that's denominated numerically as a one. Okay. And then between those, we have a 1.5. A 1.5. Yeah. Interesting. There are, just to point out though, there are no descriptors under 1.5. It's just an area that you can say, so we're doing well with one, we're not quite to two yet, so you can check that area, but we did not break down the language into a descriptor for the point fives. So it's kind of like when a teacher gives a B plus. They're not an A, they're not a B. So this is from that template, really. Okay. And, and then we have approaches expectations, okay. which is our two. Gotcha. And then we have meets expectations, and that's the three. And as Jillian said, that's your target, that's your heart. And then we have the four, which is exceeds expectations. Okay. Which, as we mentioned before, as everybody was talking, it actually bleeds into the next section. Okay, wonderful. So that helps kind of give that clarity of what it looks like. Now, we've got a picture of what it looks like. We've a little bit mentioned this, but let's go back. How do we use it? So it's the start of next school year. You have to write your student growth goal, or maybe you did it in May. It depends on your administrator. It's September. You get the deadline. You have to have a student growth goal. So as you look at this rubric, how would you use it? The way I found to use it, um, there are three different rubrics, as we said, each for each enduring skill. So the first thing to decide in starting your student growth goal is to decide which enduring skill, um, presentational writing or speaking, interpretive or interpersonal communication. So that's the first step to decide which rubric to use. Then from there on, um, what we did at our school was then choose one of the criteria to focus upon. And as I did um, in my first year of it last year, I chose text type. Mm -hmm. I know others at my school chose interpretive, we had interpersonal, we had it all represented at our school. So I chose presentational writing when the text type criteria. From there on, I gave um, a few assessments to establish a baseline for my students and that helped me decide, am I looking at novice low on that rubric? Am I needing to look at the novice mid? I did it with my seventh graders, with my beginning language learners. So the language on the rubric, if you're doing text type and presentational writing, and you're flipping through novice low, novice mid, novice high, you would be able to pinpoint where your kid is. So the language does differentiate each proficiency level. Yes, well it enough. does. Okay. Yes, it does. So looking at where my students stood at the beginning, I was able to then look at the rubric, decide where they currently were, and then focus on which sublevel I needed to use. Um, so with mine, I used a combination as they were beginners. I used a combination of novice low and novice mid with my students. And then, um, as I said, I kind of created a little mini rubric from then for my own use. Mm -hmm. I copied and pasted really um, those categories for criteria of fun or text type in the novice low and novice mid and created kind of a, a two-tiered rubric um, that I used for that one item with my students. So if they moved beyond a four in the novice low, they could then start on the ones and moving on towards twos and threes in novice mid. And that's what I used for just the student growth goal for that class. Okay. 
And I know for me, and of course I work with Jillian, so we'll have a lot of discussions about this. I chose interpersonal communication. I wanted to focus on language control, and then I got a little bit more specific, and I wanted to focus on the enduring skill um, that would get them to, not enduring skill, but the functional skill that would get them to the intermediate level, and that's question formation. It's so basic to be able to advance to intermediate. So I did interpersonal communication, language control with question formation. So anytime I gave an assessment, I did what Jillian did. I copy and pasted um, language control from this master document onto my own existing rubrics. So I had this documentation throughout the year and it could show how my students were growing. Ben, what example would you like to share? Well, actually, when I sat down with my administrator, mm -hmm. we discussed that I, I chose for this last year, I chose um, presentational writing just because it's so easy to get data. But when I spoke with my administrator and we discussed this, we decided that next year I, sh we should, I should choose interpretive uh, mode of communication, mm -hmm. or interpersonal, excuse me, interpersonal mode of communication as you did, um, because that's more of a real life skill per se. Right. And, um, but what I found interesting is um, and I really like this rubric because of it, is that I was able to say that 100% of my students at that grade level will be at this point in uh, novice med, but also that they would all show such and such growth, and I have a mixed bag in my class. I have some, some kids that have been in immersion, they have you know, higher proficiency levels than others that are mm -hmm. just starting. So I was able to show growth in them as well, and I was really mm -hmm. glad for that. That is the beauty of this. Now, Ben, did you use every criteria, function, context, text type, language control? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I just chose one criteria. But one could. One could, I suppose. Yeah. I, mean. I uh, received several examples of student growth goals, but I do not have anyone or, or no one sh share with me uh, using all the criteria. Okay. I, I had examples of two criterias being used, but not more than that. Okay, okay, that's good to know. All right, um, for this document, where can a teacher access it if they're not part of Fayette County? Hmm, good question, Laura. Um, it actually, when we first uh, publish it, just say, I know a way of saying this, uh, we put it on SharePoint, our district, but since then the district has um, moved to a different kind of platform, and um, I believe, maybe you know better than I do now, but I believe that it's probably ready on some kind of new website for curriculum and assessment. So that would be one word, way to access it. But to be honest with you, I think maybe the best way would be to email one of you being on the core team and request um, a PDF of okay. the um, rubric. And we want to make sure that PDF that is shared is the most recent version. So it probably Correct. should say June, June 2015 on it. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, well, we've kind of covered a lot of topics. Um, does anyone have anything you want to clarify or add uh, to anything that we shared? I'd like to say that it was such a learning experience developing the rubric that I would like to encourage Kentucky teachers to go through this process. Uh, I mean, they can use the rubrics and have something to look at, 
but really go through and analyze every one of them doing the skills carefully. Because I, I think, as, you know, if I was in the classroom, I would find that to be very helpful okay. in even working with it in setting student growth goals. I would like to, to give kudos to Alicia for, for, uh, <laughs> for actually envisioning this process because it didn't exist before. And even though we did continually reference documents that did exist, um, we were creating something that didn't exist. But like you said, now this document does exist, but I, I do think it is that process that helped us become stronger in our, in our awareness, um, both of, of what our students can do and how they can grow and, and their proficiency levels. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> and I do want to piggyback off of that um, and how it helped me grow as a teacher creating this. I had mm -hmm. had quite a bit of training with the OPI, the oral proficiency interview, but that was only on interpersonal communication. Um, I hadn't really delved really into the interpretive or the presentational, so this process that Alicia led us through helped me go in through that and see exactly what the students need to be doing to be able to progress with that. And I think I've been able to not just be able to analyze that on a rubric to show their growth, but then incorporate that into the classroom and decide what activities I need to be um, doing with my students to help them grow. And I think that has um, helped me quite a bit in the classroom in the last year. Mm -hmm. I'll second that. Um, the biggest thing I do want to share with the listeners is do remember on your student growth goal, it's not about uh, determining has my student improved um, with their listening skill. That's a really big topic. So that's the entire enduring skill. That's one of them. Really focus that down if you can. Narrow it to something more particular. And I think a lot of teachers are forgetting that. So if you are using this rubric, you can narrow it down to one of the criteria, such as the functions, context, text, type, or language control. Or like I focused on question formation, which is kind of um, a key part of communicating. Um, correct, so yes. A lot of teachers just think they've got to judge if my kids can understand interpretive listening better. That's a really big picture to be doing with your student growth goal. You might want to narrow that down. Would probably be I think something say. we failed to address is that the rubrics are for all languages. They're not language specific. Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about proficiency, proficiency in any language. So all teachers can benefit from using their rubrics. Mm -hmm. And our group, uh, we're all different languages here, but our group contained people from not only German, French, and Spanish that we represent, Latin. but Latin, uh, right. Chinese, Japanese. Japanese, yes. Okay, Alicia, um, you kind of said this earlier, but there were a lot of people with their hands involved with this. Is there anyone you'd like to recognize or say thank you to? Oh, I would like to thank all of you, especially the core team, um, who tackled this, this challenge. But also um, James Bright, the department chair at Henry Clay High School, who is an amazing editor and kept us um, going yeah. <laughs> in on point. Um, Jordan Sharp and um, Stephanie Lester, Carolina Yu, Stephanie Jett. They really dedicated a lot of um, evenings. And many others, Mariko Barnes, Claire Bishop, um, Hope Benavides. Um, so th they all really contribute with um, their time and many others with suggestions and ideas, you know, as well. So right. it was a, a great collaborative example that together we can create something great. Right. Well, thank you, Alicia, Jillian, and Ben for being here today. 
It's been a pleasure discussing and sharing what I think we all would say was a labor of love. Uh, sharing this Fayette County Student Growth Grow rubrics with others uh, in the world language field will help provide a valuable resource, whether they wish to use it, change it, or compare it to what they've created on their own. The more we share what's happening across the state, the stronger our instructional practices will become and the more our students will progress up the proficiency scale. If listeners have any questions or would like more information, uh, can you all please give some contact, a way they could get a hold of you? Yes, my email address is jillian.likens, that's J-I-L-L-I-A-N dot L-Y-K-E-N-S at fayette.kyschools.us. And mine is Ben McMain at fayette.kyschools.us. That's B-E-N dot M-C-M-A-I-N-E. Now, Alicia, is there a way people can get a hold of you even though you live outside the state? I will be glad to share my email um, address later on, okay. and um, I'll send it to you guys. Okay, and we can post know. that. Yeah. We can post that on the um, description on UK's website. Okay, as we near the end of our podcast, it's time for my favorite segment, Polyglotting News. And since I have Alicia Vincent here, I'd like to take a moment and say a special goodbye. Alicia, <laughs> don't cry. <laughs> I know your life path has guided you to another part of the United States, and I do take some happiness in the fact that you are still involved with world language education through your position at the D.C. International School. But I do want to say you are someone I respect and look up to. Stop crying. <laughs> you are one of the greatest in Kentucky, I think, for world language advocacy and as a leader. And over the last five years I've been here, you've become a very dear friend. And thank you for taking my text messages and calls late at night and so on, or Monday chats when my son's at karate. And I already miss you. It's, it's a sad day when you left us. And just thank you for your service to Fayette County and to KWLA. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> now to happy news. Jean Marie, welcome. What Hello. do you have to share? <laughs> what do you have to share um, from our university partners? There are three um, exciting opportunities coming up at the University of Kentucky this year. The first is the Arts and Sciences Annual Passport to the World, which, as previous listeners will know, is dedicated to the Year of Europe this year. There will be Italian folk music groups. Uh, talks of all kinds on minority languages, uh, a Eurovision panel with a karaoke performance that everyone can participate in, um, foreign language and international economics with representatives from the European Union, from Spain, Germany, and France, and many more activities that are open to the public and to your students. You can find out more information at passport.as.uky.edu. Modern and Classical Languages, Literatures, and Cultures is sponsoring its own year-long event called the Year of Dangerous Women. Oh. <laughs> we will have two courses, one in the fall called Wicked Women in Medieval French Literature, and one in the spring of dedicated to Cleopatra. But more importantly for you, the listener, is there's a series of talks by UK faculty and visiting specialists on women who challenged expectations and changed society in relation to religion, politics, arts, and social equality across the globe from the ancient times to the present day. You can find out more information at mcl.as.uky.edu. You may want to join our MCL PR listserv for regular updates 
on ANS and MCLLC activities, which you can find out a way to subscribe to at mcl.as.uky.edu forward slash mcl-listservs. Finally, UK is beginning plans for our annual World Language Open House for juniors and seniors from across the state to visit campus. They'll be able to participate in world language, literature, and culture classes and speak to faculty about the opportunities to study one of the 11 languages we offer at UK. Wow, 11 languages. Wow, UK has a lot going on. Um, now an update from KWLA. Jillian, can you share that news? Yes, ma'am. Greetings from the KWLA board. We are working hard on the final touches for the 2015 conference on September 24th through 26th. We have a lot of great things in store and can't wait to see everyone in Louisville. Pre-registration closes on September 11th, but you will still be able to register on site. See you soon. This wraps up our podcast on Fayette County's Student Growth Goal Rubrics. I wish to thank our guests Alicia Vinson, Jillian Likens, and Ben McMain for joining us. Jean-Marie Rouillet Willoughby in the University of Kentucky for providing the location and broadcasting of our podcast. And you, the listener, for tuning in. This is Laura Roche-Youngworth for Language Talk, KWLA, saying au revoir and happy teaching. <laughs>